Dear listeners, Sairam, welcome to our radio series, Afternoon Satsang. This is a discussion between Radio Sai's Prem and Arvind on different spiritual topics. Every Thursday on Asia Stream, you can enjoy this live conversation. It's from 12.30 p.m. to 2.00 p.m. Indian Standard Time. The topic of today's episode is Satyam Shivam Sundaram. The Life Story of Bhagwan Sri Satya Sai Baba and this was first featured as part of Thursday Life on November 28th 2013 Sairam and welcome to all listeners to yet another episode of Afternoon Satsang as always this is Prem from Team Radio Sai and I'm being joined by Arvind to host this segment of afternoon satsang and if you are a regular listener of our show you will know that we are right now in the middle of the satyam shivam sundaram episode the, the last week we spoke about the royal family of chincholi coming to swami and this week we are continuing the happenings of that year we spoke how swami spent the few days of the first month of 1949 in hyderabad with the family of chincholi and we are proceeding from there but before we do that let me begin by offering our most humble pranams at bhagwan's lotus feet and also joining you all in welcoming arvind sairam arvind sairam prem sairam dear listeners and it's such a wonderful opportunity to be here i was just wondering prem you know every day in the world so many things are happening and people are part of those happenings many things that people do they may not exactly enjoy doing it but they are forced to do it because either it's a uh, part of their duty part of their job or whatever but in such a world when all of us from all around the world are able to sit together and enjoy a satsang you know the beauty of a satsang is it's something that we enjoy doing because we benefit so much from it and we also get to hear these stories of swami which can take us and transport us into a completely different world away from our worries away from everything and then when we come back to the world after such a satsang we definitely feel a lot lighter and brighter so uh, swami says that it is not possible for it is just not possible for anyone to come to swami without swami's will well i think extrapolating on that it is true that it is not possible for anybody to read about swami without his will to hear about swami without his will and to discuss about and talk about swami without his will With that knowledge I think all of us should be very grateful to Swami for this beautiful opportunity where Swami has willed that we spend this time in contemplation about him speaking about him listening about him and enjoying the beautiful nectarine juice of his leelas and mahimas definitely and very well put because you know whenever we go through the stories of these people who came to Swami in those early years you know this is what would have really struck them you know could this really be possible you know mm. all the description they heard about swami and all the wondrous thing that they were even witnessing themselves it, it would have always wonder struck them that is it is this really happening are we really witnessing things like this because the kind of things which we are reading now now it is easy you know when we look back and say that swami said this and swami said that you will get you know such and such a thing will happen in your life or this thing will be solved in these many months and when swami says it's independent on this day right then you know now we look back at it and you know we look at it in a matter of fact manner we say yeah of course you know swami can do it 
but then you know in the kind of uh, thrill which would have been there when some of these things happened maybe we are missing out a bit of it because of being so used to swami <laughs> <laughs> there is another important lesson in this very observation that you made the fact that when we are going through when we are through the process of uh, the avatars life and message unfolding we often do not realize what significance that event is or how grand it actually is it just goes off as a matter of fact because that was how life was in those days now we are in 1949 and the rani of chincholi and the other royal members at chincholi what we discussed last week i'm sure none of them would have thought that so many years down the line every king every queen wants their kingdom and their lineage to be known and spoken about i'm sure they didn't have the slightest idea of how grandly they would be spoken about they would be spoken about as people who lived and breathed the same air as god with whom god played with whom they played i mean uh, with those who played with god i'm sure they would not even have imagined it but it is a real privilege and blessing if swami decides to confer even that during those stages and i feel that is a blessing we should pine for because every one of us you know we feel that oh you know i came late to swami you know when i joined in 1998 my classmates were speaking about telling you know you are so thrilled by swami this is nothing you should have seen in the early 90s yeah you know swami is now changed and then you know when we came to the 2003 2004 when i was doing my undergraduate at that time i remember some of us who had been in the student of the institute for 3 years 4 years 5 years telling the freshers that you know this is very nice good enjoyed but you know this is nothing you should have seen the days you know 5 years back it was so much swami used to do this swami used to do that and that continued you know people would say that hey you know we when we were the swami used to walk you should have seen when swami used to walk it's different now days are gone and so you know i just mentally thought let me try to find out when is that ideal time when you know they say that ah, this is the perfect time you should have come to swami because everybody says that hey this is not the perfect time you should have come just a little earlier then it was grand can you guess what my findings would have been no i'm eager to know first yeah the finding is nobody is happy man i mean i was so so surprised because you go to the people who used to say that this is nothing you know before i came people got the chance to garland swami Oh, before that, you know, they used to sleep around Swami's cot. It goes right up to childhood. But again, there, once you reach one childhood point at one particular point, before that, people do not wish because you know that time they did. Oh God, you know these people. Ah, that is not a right time because these people lived with Swami without knowing he is Swami. What is the use of that? I mean, you are not able to benefit because you are simply living. You don't know that it is the avatar in your midst, which basically means that. how much ever you get of god you are not going to be satisfied and i think it is with a reason that that has been put into us that we should never get satisfied how much ever we get of god we have to keep pining more and more so while that is one message the other message we should keep in mind is it is never too late whenever swami has willed each one of us have come so even if we have come to swami just yesterday it's a thing to celebrate because we have got the call and from now on we can pine and gather and live with swami as per his timing and perfection definitely you know a couple of days back i was just hearing a drama which was being aired on radio sai on the saint surdas mm. he is given the vision of lord krishna mm. imagine when krishna was there on earth and krishna was part of 
you know living in Vrindavan hmm. thousands would have seen him correct but would their thrill match the thrill of Suldas who was a blind man who had the vision of Krishna who appeared specially for him exactly and who gave him vision and took it back just so that he could have the darshan you know that is what god can do because when he wants to make you feel special time and you know the the Dimension place where it space. happens Correct. just doesn't matter he Nothing can just matters. make you special and and that's what is special about swami because he's made people feel special over a huge variety of people have been made to feel special and people ranging from a huge geographical uh, boundary people varying in times different times i mean it is only god who can do this that a person who felt special in 1950 the same kind of special feeling can be aroused in a person when he came to swami in 1995 and the same kind of special feeling can be aroused in a person when he has come say yesterday to swami that is the magic and that is why swami is our lord he can make us feel special any time he wills and therefore there is no need for us to feel bad or repent that we are too late we missed so much instead let us see it positively and say wow swami has done so much there is so much to fill our lives with we can every moment spend and yet spend on listening and enjoying that glory and yet we will not be complete by the end of our lives thank you swami that you have left behind such a legacy in your physical sojourn and i pine to get that special moment with you and i know that when the time is right you will give it to me so having said that and making those introductory remarks let's go to the year 1949 and because that we can always still do we can still travel back and forth because the beauty of this avatar is he has let himself be you know allowed himself to be documented and he's given us the joy to ruminate over him and these are all not just mythological you could talk about rama and krishna in the same way but you could be discarded as you know talking about mythology but this is even historical History. you know it's been documented and date wise you know we know that even now you can go to the temple in gindi what we're going to talk about and i've been to that place and it still is vibrating with that presence of swami and i mean i'm not just saying this of my uh, you know of my hat it, you could go there you can really feel the serenity because it's right in the middle of the city mm. it's one of the most populated areas in the city of chennai but you can still go there and you can feel the peace and calm in that compound you know prem this might be a slight digression but uh, before i forget because it's such a profound thing a thing that we take often for granted without realizing you know you said about swami allowing himself to be documented right you know, for my honeymoon i had been to one place in the coastal karnataka mm-hmm. and over there i happened to come across a small uh, shirdi baba temple in the resort okay uh, sai vishram was the resort it was named after sai and yes it has been built by a devotee and so i came to know that every thursday they have bhajans there mm-hmm. so i went to attend it and you know of the kind of people who attended the bhajans about 12 of them attended and none of them had even the slightest singing skills it was really on the ear it was sounding uh, terrible and i was wondering oh my god this is the kind of bhajans they do and all of them had cymbals in their hand nobody is clapping everybody is clanging on the cymbals and the cymbals volume overpowers the singing so i was wondering what is happening but when i looked around all of them are in tears and i said oh my god see this is something that they are so special and they have that i seem to be lacking because just taking the name of the lord in whatever tunes whatever melodies in whatever beat rhythm they are able to get tears of joy 
and they asked me also to sing i sang and afterwards we began to speak about swami when i told them that you know i had got the chance to take bhagwan's pictures be a photographer around him taking pictures and i showed them a few pictures their tears increased suddenly and they were so thrilled i was wondering what what is it that i thought you know like the standard way when they get to know oh you stayed and took swami's pictures uh, that is a kind of thrill so i was about to frame a reply when they said you know you know this boy is so special because see when he takes swami's photo swami comes in the photo <laughs> so when they said that i was wondering what what are they talking about i asked them that only i said what do you mean when you take swami's photo swami's photo comes today they said don't you know when you take swami's photo you either get krishna or rama or dattatreya and many times if you click swami's photo you get blank nothing comes we have read so many stories like that they said but you are so blessed that when you are taking swami's photo you are getting swami's photo and you know suddenly it was like a change in perspective for me i always used to feel that if i click swami's picture and instead of swami if there is dattatreya there <laughs> it's a miracle for me but these people had a totally different perspective they said you are creating miracle with every click of the camera because every time you shoot swami you are getting swami only you are not getting a blank you are not getting a, a, anything else you are not getting other it is so rare so in my heart i really thank them for that perspective and i asked them i said uh, have you seen swami because i wanted to know whether they have an idea of how it is over here they said no i said not even once no none of them there had seen swami physically even once and yet you know they were speaking about swami's stories and glories like how we speak about rama and krishna not having seen him and then i understood two things one is the simplicity and beauty of their faith and the second thing is that if we think that we have captured swami's discourses or we have shot swami's images or taken his video we really have to be grateful to swami for allowing us to actually document because as they said how many are there such stories where people have clicked and got blank images i think today also one such story will come up where unless swami wills a picture of his also doesn't appear on the <laughs> in the camera so it is really swami's love that he has allowed us to document all this with this we come back to yes you were speaking about the gindi temple and the vibrant atmosphere there right you know before that you know just to go along with you in that digression we A couple of months back, we were speaking to Prabhakar Rao, sir. You know, from the university. Yes, in and, the department of mathematics. Right, and you would be aware. You no, know, he used to be a videographer early earlier. Correct. And we have some of the wonderful footages which he has given us. Correct. Uh, mm-hmm. From the late eighties. Exactly. Yeah, right? he used to shoot on a VHS cassette. Yeah, and he was saying that you know that point of time when Swami was giving the Bhagavad Gita series of discourses, mm-hmm. he wanted to videograph the whole thing. So he went and asked Swami for the permission, and Swami said, "Why you want to take video and all that?" Now see if you take a video then you have to preserve the cassette and that cassette to play the cassette you need a you know a player VCR player and to see the thing you need a TV instead of that you just sit and capture whatever you see in your own mind hmm. and whenever you want to see you just have to close your eyes and see the video okay <laughs> and you know how glad we are that swami did not wish that for all the things which he did yeah, and, you know exactly. he did permit because you know all said and done it needs somebody you have to be very very pure at heart to do that to be able to sit and recollect and or somebody like tulsidas who did not see ramayana in person but could, could sit in meditation everything. and actually see what actually happened 
Dear Swami, that is our prayer, Swami, that as we do this satsang, as we relive the story, see the pictures and the text, read it, read it out for ourselves and for everyone, please let these messages imprint themselves permanently in our heart so that anytime we just close our eyes, we are able to see you and feel you. After having made that prayer and really hoping that Swami blesses us with that, we spoke about Swami's first trip on a plane. You know, that was when Swami travelled to Hyderabad. From, from Bangalore. From Bangalore. Mm. When he went to stay with the royal family of Chincholi. And then very shortly was the second trip on the plane when Swami travelled to Madras. From Hyderabad. From Hyderabad. And that was on the 2nd of February, if I'm not wrong. Yeah. Because on 3rd of February, was scheduled the inauguration of the Gindi Temple. And the speciality of the Gindi Temple, we've spoken of this before, but it's worth mentioning again. It's the first temple ever of Shirdi Baba to have an idol of Shirdi Baba. It happened to come even before the idol in Shirdi came up. Five years before. Right. I think it was in 1954 that the okay. idol at Shirdi was made. Okay, so that's a good five years before. So 1949, February 3rd is what we're talking about. And uh, we've spoken about how Swami actually entered the life of Lokanath Mudalyar. And you know, it also brings that interesting so this, thing. Uh, Mr. Lokanath Mudalyar was the uh, builder at Right, actually the place, that land where this temple was built belonged to Loknath Mudalyar mm-hmm. and that land was the very reason through which Swami entered his life okay. and that land had been uh, occupied by a tantric worshipper who was refusing to leave it and you know, when Mudalyar tried to legally get him out, ev- uh, evacuated from that place, he left by cursing this Loknath Mudalyar saying that you'll become a madman. Hmm. And when you know, all the doctors were telling the only option is to admit him into an asylum, that's when Swami walks into his house and first comes in his dream, cures him. Okay. And the next morning, this man who was mad till the previous night wakes up and is normal. Mm-hmm. And just before the excitement can settle down in the family, just that morning, a car drives by in front of their house and Swami walks in. Wow. Imagine that's how they first see Swami. And you can imagine the thrill of Loknath Muzilhar, the man who appeared in his dream and cured him, is just walking in his, beside his bed the next morning. And in gratitude, Mr. Mudalyar wanted to offer that land to Swami. And his initial idea was he thought he'll build a house for Swami there. Mm. You know, so that when Swami comes to Madras, he can stay in that place. But then very uh, miraculously, Swami later guided him to start building a Shirdi temple there. Okay, it's almost like the it's same almost like Yeah, that's what Swami said. You build a house for my previous incarnation. That's okay. what Swami had told him. Mm. And again, you know, the way that thing came up and they started building and one fine day a sculptor lands up in front of the house and he says that a stranger brought me here and mm. said that you need some work to be done. So I'm a sculptor. So then he starts making the statue and the statue is installed. And so that's why we are now. <laughs> Swami is there at Gindi to inaugurate this temple. And in front of the Gindi temple, Shirdi Baba temple, there was also another little temple. There is, I mean, of, I have not seen it. I wish to see it when I go to Chennai next time. Uh, It is a Ganesha temple with a Ganesha idol. You know, Prem, this is one feature I have seen with almost all temples that Swami has made. Even in 2009, when Swami uh, visited Hadshi and Mumbai, in Mm. Hadshi, Swami opened a Panduranga temple. The Jadav brothers wanted to make a temple for Swami. But Swami said, no, the people in that land and that region, they love the form of the Lord as Panduranga okay. and therefore make it Panduranga Kshetra instead of Satisai Kshetra. Oh. And that is how okay. it has been called Sri Satisai Panduranga Kshetra. Mm-hmm. 
So even there, Swami has installed a temple. There are three temples. One is a Ganesha temple. The ground floor is a Shirdi Baba temple, and the main temple is the Panduranga temple. So there also Swami first inaugurated the Ganesha temple. So Ganesha, being the first lord to be worshipped, has held his place, I think, forever. Whether it is bhajans, whether it is Veda chanting, whether it is establishment of a temple, be it in Brindavan. Even mm. in the Ramesh Hall, we see that Ganesha idol right in front. Exactly. We went to Mudanalli the other day, and we saw that Ganesha idol was installed by Swami. The temple was specially made, and the location was fixed by Swami. And, and the wonderful stories we heard—it's a you know infallible pattern where Swami always installs a Ganesha idol in places where he wants to leave a stamp. <laughs> and one interesting point about uh, Ganesha, you know, Ganesha is called the Lord of Obstacles. Now it is Swami again who has given a beautiful interpretation. We often think the Lord of Obstacles means the one who Vigna Harta, that is the one who clears the obstacles, just like an elephant marches through a jungle, and uh, all the plants give way and a path is created. But it was Swami who gave the other aspect of the same truth. That is the Lord of Obstacles also means that Ganesha will like an elephant if he sits in the road. You know it has happened once when we were traveling through Bandipur. an elephant comes on the road and just stands there we just cannot do anything our vehicle could not progress any further we had to patiently wait till the elephant walked away because honking or putting on the lights might anger and disturb the elephant and god knows what will happen to us so we waited till the elephant moved off so the elephant can become an obstacle itself so swami said that ganesha the lord of obstacles means that when you are on the right path he will create a path for you and remove all the obstacles but if it's a wrong path he'll also put obstacles so that you don't take the path and go to the right path so this is an interesting uh, uh, revelation that swami did and it's so beautiful about ganesha as the lord of obstacles and that is why he's the first one to be worshiped the prathama pujita exactly what happened at gindi also swami installed a ganesha idol first and then swami materialized with a wave of his hand another ganesha idol and before installing the ganesha idol he had materialized nine gemstones and he uh, put it under the base of the idol and even to this day the ganesha temple and the ganesha idol are present and a definitely beautiful sight for all to see it was after this that he went to the main sanctum of shirdi baba right and there again swami did similar things swami materialized even before the statue could be placed on that pedestal swami materialized what he called you know tumme flowers uh, uh-huh. i think they are white small flowers but these were golden tumme flowers you know a set of ones and swami materialized it put it in that and swami also i think materialized a copper plate what is usually placed under a a statue that is with some under yeah, with some, with some uh, inscriptions yeah, inscriptions and you know markings i think these are all part of a ceremony called the prana pratishthapana right which means uh, giving a uh, life to the idol they say that after the prana pratishthapana ceremony it is no longer a statue or an idol but it is the living presence of the lord right and the beauty of this temple is that swami himself did all these things you know swami put those uh, navratna swami materialized and put it in that pit and swami put these tumme flowers golden ones and then swami put this copper plate with those divine inscriptions and then swami asked them to place that statue and it's a very small statue it's not like the statue in shirdi or anything it's statue i think maybe 3 or 4 feet in height okay placed on a pedestal which is again about 3 or 4 feet in there height there are one or two pictures i think swami holding the statue right. and standing by yeah, the side yeah and swami has been to that place so many times after that 
and you know uh, in this i forgot uh, there is one beautiful mention which has been recorded about how swami did the actual prana pratishthapana right which is amazing in itself you know we spoke about this ceremony saying it is a life instilling ceremony and swami after the idol had been placed he walked little distance and then told everybody to look at the idol and as everybody was looking at the idol for a few moments the idol they say levitated it levitated and everybody present there witnessed it they were so thrilled there was nobody holding the idol and yet it was suspended in thin air in mid air and then it landed back firmly and it was fixed and swami was just smiling and that was the life instilling ceremony where people actually saw saw shirdi baba coming to life in that idol and the idol levitating by itself before it was set in the right. stone there so as i was reading this last week i was so thrilled and that has what actually increased that ardor in me that i want to visit this temple and have a look at this idol which which is not an idol which is shirdi baba absolutely and as i said you know you could really feel that because swami has visited that place so many times you know there are so many occasions where swami has gone into the sanctum sanctorum and you know there are pictures where swami is covering the shirdi baba idol and standing right in front <laughs> as though like he is the one in the shrine of course he is the one in the shrine and swami proved this also you know because on the day of the inauguration immediately after the inauguration swami went to the house of mr mudaliar that was in triplicen yeah it was right, in triplicen and when he went there the daughter reports i think the daughter name is leela yes yeah she reports that swami suddenly went into a trance for 10 minutes and nobody knew what's happening they just left him without disturbing him he was just seated and he was in a trance after 10 minutes he comes out of the trance and he says get a white cloth and then he asks for a turmeric and sandal paste and he tells them to apply it on the sole of his feet mm-hmm. ah what a what a blessing it will be even as we imagine holding those tender feet and applying that turmeric and sandal paste and after they had applied it swami pressed his feet onto that white cloth and then they realized that swami is giving them such a blessing a boon they're going to be his footprints which they can keep in the temple the amazing thing was after this was done when swami lifted his feet those footprints they were definitely looking like those of a person who is almost 7 feet tall they didn't look like the footprints of a person who is 5 feet everybody knew that these are the footprints of shirdi baba and not of swami right. and fact, i believe actually, that swami himself said it ha huh. swami said when i inaugurated the temple of the old man or the previous body or oh, swami used to call him the old man <laughs> why should i give footprints of my body and swami said that's why i've given you the footprints of his and actually you could see that you know as you said it's a feet of somebody who is much taller and larger than the tender frame of swami and you could see the feet of a old man because you could see that there are cracks in that impression also and that impression of shirdi baba's feet is still framed and placed in that gindi temple wow that, even today that is another there. reason all of us must visit that temple right. so many beautiful things to see just touching it we'll feel such a thrill and another thing is prem again another little digression but over the years you know all of us would have had some kind of cracks or you know problems with our feet swami souls oh my god they were butter like throughout his life whenever we have seen whenever we have got the chance to touch it has always remained like that i mean that in itself i feel is such a big miracle i mean every one of us gets cracked soles and we get so many other problems of the feet 
and this is not of a person who you know always wore socks or kept <laughs> or indoors or had shoes slippers or never walked or never <laughs> he has walked i think so he must have walked a thousand million miles maybe <laughs> or throughout his life and he has walked on all kinds of surfaces concrete tar thorny paths muddy sandy and many places which are very cold many places which are very hot and almost 95% of the time without any footwear and yet his feet remained so tender and pure and i i mean it's such a beautiful thing to just meditate on those feet and you know even in that swami has such a beautiful lesson to teach us because those boys who used to serve swami inside mm-hmm. they have told that swami used to take such care of his feet you know mm-hmm. the way swami used to cut the nails of his feet and all through what swami used to say is see when i go out people touch my feet you know it shouldn't hurt if i have long nails it'll hurt them that kind of a sensitivity and that's what till the very end even if when you know swami was not able to do it himself he was very particular that his feet were taken care of very well in fact i remember one doctor from the super speciality hospital narrating how once when you know he wanted to take padnamaskar when swami lifted his robe he saw there were three four scratches on swami's feet on the top and when he wondered he later realized that some devotee in their excitement to take namaskar would not have trimmed their nails and that is how those few scratches came on swami's feet but you know swami said that that should not happen to the devotees and me no problem <laughs> i can you know that is the love of swami let anything happen to me but nothing should happen to the devotee again reminds of the of that anup jalota song prabal prem ke paale padkar prabhu ko niyam badalte dekha actually there he speaks about apna maan tale tal jaye par bhakt ka maan na talte dekha the lord is ready to sacrifice his own self respect but he will not allow the self respect of a devotee to be touched you know the same thing holds good even in the physical realm he was ready to take on a few scratches here and there in order to give the devotees the joy of padnamskar but he as you said he always made it a point to trim his nails extra deep in fact so that even by mistake a devotee does not get even a scratch or a slight prick from the nails during padnamaskar even as you are describing swami's feet i'm reminded of what kasturi says about his first trip to you know prashantinilayam in this book loving god mm-hmm. i think it's around the same time right 1948 end of 1948 he comes to parthi with Correct. his wife mm-hmm. and you know he says that they just come into the old mandir they've just put their whole dolls and their uh, you know trunks in one corner and suddenly swami comes by and swami sits on that rolled up bedding of theirs and starts talking to them and here is kasturi he is still not i mean he has no idea what to make of this person in front of him and you know is he a saint is he a god or what is he a... and a person who is so skeptic describes swami mm. and he says but the beauty is you know uh, something you cannot deny mm. and there in the end he says you know from top to toe he describes swami he describes those curls the nose is like it's been chiseled it's so perfect mm. you know these eyes are of course the best part and they seem to be doing something which you have no idea what it is magnetic. doing hmm. and then then he describes the hair describes swami's uh, you know face and all that and then he says that then you finally come to the feet something so tiny and tender you know peeping out from behind those robes <laughs> silky <laughs> so robes and he says almost like inviting you to come and you know fall at it and really that's fondle them really that's what is swami's feet 
you know you were saying kasturi was a critic he did not believe in these babas and all such thing and he was critic when he came and yet yet he was mesmerized by swami's form in fact this mesmerism you know has impacted so many people we will be going into her stories in detail later on but you know mrs kamla sarthi from new delhi uh, when she came to parthi Uh, she was also you know not wanting to have anything to do with these babas and such things she came because her daughter was a student of a great uh, musician carnatic musician by name bv lakshmanan uh, who was part of the bv raman bv lakshmanan twins we will speak about them very soon so when she had come when she saw the one thing that struck her was whatever may be about this baba she saw people crying as they left telling swami we want to come back to you again when will we come back she saw them uh, offering their best to swami things they would not offer maybe to their own children or to their own parents she used to wonder how is it that people are getting so attracted to a person who is not even related to them in any way in fact on one occasion when she was wondering like this she records the story she says that as she was wondering how is it that people get so attracted she had not yet Uh, surrendered to swami she had not yet become a devotee in courts as we call it she was wondering why how is it that people get so attracted how even as she was wondering she felt a gentle pat on her shoulder and she looks back to see swami standing there and you know what swami tells her swami addresses her by name and tells kamala you are thinking along the right lines continue thinking like this and you will get the answer yeah. and swami walks away actually a little uh, more than that uh-huh. see what happens is she sees that and she sees all these people crying and as you said you know she's wondering what is the thing and she just gets a fleeting idea <laughs> she says huh. is this divine love ah yes okay is it swami's okay. divine love which is attracting because initially she thinks that okay I mean he's a miracle man and you know that's how he's attracting then she says no no it seems to be something more than miracles mm. because you won't shed tears if you miss a person who is attracting you only by his miracles yeah you may at best uh, applaud right, you know him. you might miss him and you might you know feel dejected about but would you cry bitterly like a child who is going away from the mother and then she says that it could only be divine love and that's when swami pats her on oh. and says kamla sarthi you're thinking in the right lines continue to think like this what timing <laughs> right what timing by the lord it's so beautiful Yes, yeah, so uh, let's go yeah, back to right. uh, Gindi. Before that, and yeah, we were talking about Gindi, and you mentioned about B. V. Lakshmanan. And this occasion when Swami came and inaugurated this Gindi temple was the moment when these two twins, B. V. Raman and B. V. Lakshmanan, legendary singers, actually really uh, very popular singers in you the Karnataka. You can just Google uh, them. Yes, yes, you can. And as we were googling, we just found out, you know, there is a. very very prestigious award which is named after bv lakshmanan exactly you know it's very prestigious to receive that award now that's uh, what stalwart singers they were and they were bv lakshmanan passed away in 1999 and bv raman in 2006 right hmm. and uh, these people came to that gindi temple to give a performance the first ever time they were seeing swami and swami had invited them right to come and give a concert at the gindi temple right so dear listeners we are in the middle of a riveting story we will continue with swami's life we'll just take a little break enjoy this song is this the song that has been sung by yeah this is one song which was sung by bv raman and bv lakshmanan the brothers raman brothers <laughs> maybe we could tell that we can call them bv the bv, BV brothers. brothers okay yeah. uh, but of course this is unfortunately not the recording of the concert which they gave in front of swami either then or sometime later 
we just hope that if there is somebody some devotee there if they've been there when they performed in front of swami and they happen to have recorded it we would love to have a copy of that you know rendition in fact uh, swami told them to sing the song sadin chane right samayani ki tagu maatalaadu the song comes and the that. beautiful thing is most of the times when they sang swami sang with them along and with them and that was one more thing which actually really enthralled them because they've never seen somebody singing so well uh some of the tyagraja kirtanas with such beautiful pronunciation of that telugu the chase telugu i think uh, prem in our database maybe we have one we or two of those songs we might have one or songs. two when they performed in venkatagiri maybe in the next break that we take we can uh, find her and play that right. but right now we will uh, listen to one song recording of bv raman and lakshmanan So that your listeners was just a sample of the BV Raman BV Lakshman brothers in fact they were known for their uh, you know pure form of singing 
because there are a lot of carnatic singers who have the tendency to mix styles but they are known for their very chaste and pure form of singing they did no gimmicks in between right and uh, you know we we spoke about uh, gindi temple and swami asking a statue of shirdi baba to be installed and last week we spoke about chincholi you know where swami's asked for the kamandalu and uh, the the tanga the tanga which he used and you know in the process swami was very very clearly establishing and you know reaffirming that fact that he was the reincarnation of shirdi and of course we, even when we spoke about swami's childhood we spoke that you know when people sp- heard that swami was claiming to be the avatar of shirdi now people say that swami actually rode on the popularity of shirdi baba but actually it's the other way round because if he really wanted popularity he could have claimed to be the reincarnation of so many people you know exactly. who were much more popular but that was not to be and swami was shirdi baba was absolutely unknown in south of india right and this was something which was happening for so many years in those initial 1940s 50s when swami was establishing that connect between shirdi and parthi mm. you know uh, interestingly speaking about the connect between shirdi and parthi i'm reminded of an incident that a close friend of my mother you know her name is mrs sudha mm-hmm. and uh, after her marriage she has changed her name to serene uh, serene aunty that's how i call her and she's really lives up to her name she's quite she's very serene the interesting thing is her grandmother mm-hmm. had been to shirdi baba when she was a little girl so when i got to know this i was very thrilled and uh, i asked her do you have any incidents that show that um something that you know maybe shirdi baba told your grandmother and swami has said and is something is matching we are all always inquisitive about such things right she said there is one story i mean after that you will be left with no doubt about the unity of the two babas uh, so i asked her to narrate it and she said that when her grandmother had been to shirdi she was just in her teenage years and uh, shirdi baba had blessed her he had blessed her and he had told her that uh, you will have my darshan again in life have shraddha and saburi and apparently he had given her a silver coin on one side of which there was goddess lakshmi mm-hmm. and this is what shirdi baba gave her she understood the meaning of shirdi baba's statement because within an year after that before she could visit shirdi for a second time shirdi baba left his body in 1918 so she began to think how is this possible shirdi baba told me that you will have my darshan again how can i have his darshan when he has already left but slowly you know she began to accept the fact that shirdi baba is the lord and there is nothing impossible for him so some day or the other who knows i might be able to see him decades passed in this way as she was waiting then in the i think in the late 50s or 60s something terrible afflicted her because of which she lost her eyesight okay and when she lost her eyesight she really began to wonder how is it swami how is it baba that i am going to see you now even if you show yourself i can't see you because now i don't have my eyes it was during these years that she came to know that her granddaughter that is sudha that is sirin aunty is visiting some sai baba in south india who claims to be shirdi baba she, her curiosity was aroused she was greatly intrigued you know and uh, sudha aunty had come 
to swami and she played a quite an important and active role not important i mean active role active role during the inauguration of the anandpur college anandpur okay. campus so all that was there it was sometime in 1973 that this granny asked her can you take me to the sai baba that you go to in 73 uh, it's almost like 50 years after that yes 19 close 18, to 50 yeah, years 50 years yeah 50 55 years and uh, here was uh, she asking her granddaughter and sudhanti felt that you know it's so tough puttaparthi is not the modern township that it is today so she was wondering how will granny stay there and that too she is blind she needs a help always and whenever uh, sudhanti had been to parthi before that she had as i said she had been very active in so many activities so she felt that she would get handicapped so she kept postponing telling some excuse or the other and this granny never got to visit puttaparthi in 1978 baba visited bombay swami visited bombay and that was the time sudha aunty felt that her granny was in bombay only she felt that you know i can take her for darshan so she had taken her for darshan and in dharmakshetra in that sitting area it was already jam packed eking out some kindness from people because the granny was blind she got her seated in some place but even then what happened was because the crowds were so huge and surging if you go to dharmakshetra you will see it's a very very small place mm-hmm. you will wonder how could people fit here you know it is not even one fourth the size of kulwant hall so the whole place got filled and people sat in front of her granny also so the little path that existed there got blocked from far when uh, sudanti was seeing this she wondered how is it that swami can even go close to her because it's fully blocked anyway she waited swami came comes for darshan and as he is walking he walks up straight to the area where granny is seated and then asks the ladies to make a path <laughs> and seeing this sudanti gets excited she goes and sits next to her grandmother because she is seeing that swami is coming straight towards her now Swami is heading and coming straight to her, and then she is seeing her granny is in tears. Swami is standing right before her now, and the granny is in tears. And the granny turns and holds Sudha Aunty's hand, and tells her, "Are you seeing the beauty? How beautiful he is!" Sudha Aunty is shocked. What is this? What is it? And then Swami just blesses the granny, turns and walks away. So Sudha Aunty, you know, she is so thrilled. She sees and tells granny, "You are. Are you able to see me?" Can I say no? She says that means the blindness is not cured. Then she says, then what do you mean? You said so beautiful. She said, yeah. You know his eyes are like this. He has got a curly mop of hair. He is wearing an orange robe. He is like this. He gave the smile. He this is what he did. This is how he looked at me, and this is how he blessed me. Exactly, perfectly what had happened right in front of her. But before that moment, she is confirmed blind, and after it again, now she is confirmed blind. And then you know, she says. There's one more thing, Sudha, that I should tell you. The granny says, "In 1973, you remember five years back, I asked you to take me." She says, "Yes, you did not take me, but the day you left for Puttaparthi, I had a vision, and in the vision, I don't know who, a person came, blessed me, and said that you don't worry, you will have darshan of your Baba. Mm-hmm. This is what he promised me. Today, when I saw Satya Sai Baba, I realized that the person who came in my vision and he are the same." So I had already given her a vision five years back of him, and now she had the darshan, and she said, "That's it. I know. I'm happy." And within a few months after that date, 
peacefully and blissfully she gave up her body this was the story of her granny and sudha aunty was asking me do you need any more proof to show, show the unity between the two babas it's so thrilling and so beautiful no doubt no doubt in that that there is no need for swami to take the glory of shirdi baba or swami to give glory to shirdi baba because whether shirdi baba or satsai baba they are actually the same i mean really beautiful it just uh, you know inspires me to think that you don't need eyes to have darshan you just need to have the heart and you spoke about surdas right right you know that's what it is and and we have seen I, i've come across so many people who are blind who come for darshan really Mm-hmm. and it's such a paradox blind people coming for darshan and <laughs> and you know who wonder what each one of them have seen and maybe they have seen more than us you know in in our stupidity we think that we have the eyes and we have seen the darshan and we have no clue what swami has shown them exactly and you know that was also some of the things which happened in 1948 coming back to our discussion because there were some people who came and you know in that silvan setting of putapati what it was then mm-hmm. they came and had visions which surprised everybody you know people were really living with swami in old mandir for a month and 3 weeks 4 weeks 2 months but then they were having some of these people who came stunned them with what they saw mm-hmm. because they are seeing something which is completely different from what they were seeing and a couple of things which happened like that was once two boys landed up in prashantanilam to uh, college going students and uh, they inquired where swami was and they somehow found putapati and they came there and swami sent word to them through sheshigiri rao you know who is there then the pujari saying that swami is asking you to go to the chitravati have your bath and then come swami is saying that he'll meet you after that mm. and then there's a description which i really cannot understand what exactly it is they say that they are guided by two tender feet which are wearing anklets hmm to chitravati because they have no clue where where exactly you go and have bath in that huge river so they follow these two tender feet and they go there and when they are having bath and they washing the clothes they actually have the vision of panduranga coming and playing around in that water wow lord panduranga and they see that and they again come back they again those two tender feet guide them back to uh, where swami was and when they come there they see swami there in the mandir and nobody knows what happened to these two little boys and they just drop all their things they run to swami and they hug swami and they say you are krishna you are krishna and they say you thief <laughs> <laughs> you know you are hiding your real form from us and they started you know hugging swami and immediately all the people in old mandir gathered around there and they saw swami and they saw these two boys and swami was struggling to get out of the grip because they were holding swami so tightly and then these two boys turned to all those people who had gathered and were seeing the sight they said you know don't be cheated hmm. he is that krishna he is that krishna and swami looked at the other devotees and said you know these boys are mad boys you know pichi pillalu typically what swami would have said but the interesting thing was just the day before hmm. swami had very casually remarked to the gathering there that tomorrow two vedantins are coming oh and you will see them Vedantins mean people who are greatly accomplished, right? Spiritually accomplished, and Vedanta and Vedanta is supposed to be non-dualism, literally, in the true sense. The distilled essence of all the scriptures, right? And this is what actually happened when those two real Vedantins actually came. You know, uh, this kind of madness for God. Swami says that of all the madnesses that afflict man, the least harmful and the most beneficial. 
is god madness and you said that you know everybody else would have thought that they are mad even swami joined them and said that these two boys are mad swami has spoken about that also he says that for a god intoxicated man everything about the world seems mad and for a world intoxicated man everything about god seems mad taking these two statements of swami together it is almost like not it's almost like it is that everybody in the world is mad either they are mad after the world or they are mad after god but among these two madnesses it's better and it's the best to have madness for god because that is the madness that will lead us to the truth you were speaking about two boys there's also a record of a lady who had similarly come and you know she had seen her krishna and because of that she runs to swami's feet and collapses and she's unconscious we were talking of krishna we spoke of krishna coming in the form of panduranga to these boys huh. and the vision that lady gets is that of yatiraja what is this uh, form described as the yatiraja which andal is supposed to have worshiped oh okay oh that is i yes again it is a form of krishna okay, you are right there yatiraja okay. that's what she says she sees correct correct i remember reading that yatiraja but i did not know what is yatiraja right because she is a worshiper of andal and andal is for the sake of our listeners right andal is a devotee a lady devotee of krishna she is considered and as one among the nayanmars or uh, not nayanmars uh, nayanmars are shaivite devotees okay. these are devotees of vishnu alvars alvars yes so andal and, is an alvar yeah huh. and the interesting thing about andal is her worship is she worships the gopikas actually she says oh gopikas you serve krishna i will serve you you know that's mm. the uh, worship she does and all the verses she writes is actually to wake up the gopikas and tell them that krishna is waiting for you go there is one a beautiful uh, word dasanu dasa right. in kannada uh, which says that it's out of ultimate devotion you know the devotee cries out saying that lord if i cannot be your servant give me the chance to be the servant to your servant so that indirectly i'll be serving you right and andal was one such so she was in that you know lineage of people who were worshiping andal and actually she has the vision of swami as that uh, form which andal worships wow as i said she falls unconscious and when she comes back to consciousness she again rushes to swami falls unconscious this happens on two three occasions after which you know her husband is upset you know wondering what is this happening what is his wife she is so unstable she is not having even basic mental stability she is creating a scene over here it's so embarrassing when he goes to tell her to you know in quotes behave herself swami tells him don't tell that to her hers is a kind of a karana janma meaning that her birth is for a specific reason and that reason will be soon attained she will not live for more than 15 days so treat her well and let her accomplish the reason for her birth and exactly as swami says without any reason without any kind of illness or or problem whatsoever with a gentle smile playing on her lips after 15 days this lady gave up her body and without doubt merged with her yati raja swami and you know this is the thing which i was uh, also mentioning before what would have been playing in the minds of those people who heard swami make such prophecies you know this mm. person will die after 15 days or mm. you know tomorrow these people are coming or whatever swami said one thing is to have complete faith and you know as i said you would think yeah 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 swami has told it will happen but 
to have that trepidation Swami said this does it really happen does whatever Swami say really happen those people who were in that let's say quasi faith even they actually enjoyed the thrill of seeing Swami reveal himself you know though we now look at them and say that no no he was skeptical and then he became a devotee you know he didn't have faith and then he got faith mm. but i think their process also was as beautiful as the process of all of us who are sitting here and listening about all these stories exactly it? we were speaking about you know people who came to parthi in those days and the twins too whom we spoke about that is bv raman and bv lakshmanan they were also among those privileged few who visited swami in 1949 in fact after um, the inauguration of the gindi temple on february 3rd 1949 for shivratri these two twins landed up right swami had invited them for shivratri shivratri right. and swami had a very very soft corner for them people used to say because whenever they were supposed to be arriving nobody would know that they are coming to puttaparthi swami would tell the cooks to have some special food made kept aside or ask them to cook late in the night so that warm food is available there's hot water for washing and ha- bathing and when the twins arrived they would be surprised with all the arrangements that swami had made for them they were very moved in fact uh, bb raman was the person who used to visit swami more regularly because he stayed at madras madras bb lakshmanan used to stay in delhi and that's how he came in touch with right. mrs kamla sarthi he was actually about. staying in one of the rooms which were rented out in kamla sarthi's residence in delhi right just completing bb raman's right. story uh, it is said that swami learned carnatic music mm-hmm. many of the stanzas many of the tunes many of the things swami learned from these twins especially bb raman okay and uh, bb raman was the person who composed the aarti that we know today om jay oh. jagadish hare okay he was the one it actually happened in venkatagiri mm-hmm. maybe i'm rushing the gun here but i just could not contain myself because this is the kind of introduction that i think these singers deserve right. people often uh, adore them and speak about them in high notes about their carnatic music and their accomplishments but i am sure if they are asked because that is what they have taught all their disciples if they are asked what was the highlight of their life they are surely going to say swami and swami alone because all the disciples of you know almost all the disciples of raman and lakshmanan know about the great reverence they had for swami and many of the disciples in fact themselves have become staunch devotees of swami one example that comes to my mind is uh, mrs sudha ragunathan right and her miraculous story which has resulted in a name in the satisai ashtotram ओम श्री साई जोड़ी आदिपल्ली सोमपाय नम बट दैट कम्स इन आर टाइम लाइन इन नाइनटीन फिफ्टी नाइन एंड वी शेल टेक दट दैट वॉज द कैलिबर ऑफ पीपल हू आर ड्रॉन टू स्वामी इट इज नॉट जस्ट दैट स्वामी वॉज फूलिंग पीपल एंड द सिंपल माइंडेड फोक विलेज पीपल हू आर नथिंग वेर ड्रॉन एंड एनामर टू स्वामी इंटेलेक्चुअल्स म्यूजिशियंस किंग्स रूलर्स पीपल हू आर एट द जेनिथ ऑफ वॉट एवर दे were attracted you know kasturi another person were attracted to swami with a mysterious kind of force which they themselves could not understand but they had to accept and later on they expressed their deepest sense of gratitude for that attraction because it gave them the greatest treasure of their lives and that was the characteristic of swami because even as we are narrating stories of swami traveling and staying in the house of royalties and swami is interacting with intellectuals and talented individuals 
you know side by side we were also reading stories of how swami spoke to those tribal villages who came to him in those mm. early years and how he you know as much as he moved with the city folk he also moved with them and how we spoke of how swami performed you know during the wedding at kupam and mm. swami in fact arranged for the house which was to host that wedding of vijay uh, kumari and all these things you could only say that of course it doesn't seem to be the right way to describe swami but swami was very well grounded <laughs> mm. exactly but you know that's the beauty because these people i'm sure even in 1940s bv raman and bv lakshman would have been a force to reckon you know they would have been very popular because they were themselves students of one of the greatest uh, carnatic singers of that time yes i remember he is the legendary tiger varada charyar right he supposed to be a very very popular uh, carnatic singer. dear listeners you can again you know google this and see there's a wikipedia page on tiger varada charyar and he was the principal in a uh, madras uh, music, music college music academy music academy and he was the one who spotted these twins and he gave them all the patronage and support and of course it's legends who foster legends it looks like because that legend when he fostered them you know tiger vardacharya they say that he didn't have a great voice uh, means in the sense a tonal quality of his voice was not good at all but his sheer mastery over the music used to just floor people and keep them spellbound even though he used to sing for hours so you know they say that there has to be you know that drushti bottu that we say in order to ensure that if something is very perfect people may feel jealous so therefore even for babies you know in india they keep a small black spot on the cheek because right. the baby is so beautiful people should not feel that it is so perfect and feel jealous therefore put a black mark it looks like that drushti bottu that god selected for tiger varadacharyar was his bad voice imagine a singer with a bad voice yet he's a maestro who has become a legend and who trained people who became legends so bv raman and lakshmanan were his proteges and of course yeah they found their fulfillment in swami and later for many occasions of course they used to return to puttaparthi very often and you said about how they were hospitality warm hospitality was waiting for them every time they visited but i think the major part of their joy of singing for swami was in venkatgiri which we will come to shortly because that happens in 1950s actually it happens in the middle of 1949 itself right in june july 1949 you know i was speaking to a member who wishes to be anonymous of the venkatgiri family okay and um, he has very graciously got himself interviewed also uh, he just says that as long as i'm alive please don't broadcast this okay uh, but i have told him that anonymously a few things i will quote and he said that when the raja of venkatagiri actually wanted to meet swami he had heard so much about it and see one more royal family now actually getting pulled in he wanted to meet swami on the first two or three occasions when he came to meet swami swami left without granting an audience to the king and queen just imagine that was <laughs> who can who would do that or why would anyone do that yet it must be said to the raja's credit that he persisted and again it was sometime in the middle of 1949 i think july 1949 that at sakamma's home once again yet again at sakamma's home that the uh, royal family of venkatagiri right. had their first darshan of swami let me endeavor to get his full name oh yeah our listeners his name was velugoti sarvagnya kumar krishna yachendra who came first but i think the king's name is yeah this is the king of uh, venkatagiri okay Sarvagnya Kumar yeah is actually it was not he who came first he was brought by his brother is it brother yeah. 
i think nephew or brother cousin we, or brother we shall retain that for as we said yes. next episode because venkatagiri is a huge chunk and wow those stories are again divine uh, coming back to uh, the visit at parthi during shivratri in 1949 that was i think in the march of 1949 swami did uh, abhishekam with milk to the idol of shirdi baba so it started then after that we have seen you know sai blossom has released this beautiful documentary on mahashivratri right in that we can see that abhisheka how it evolved what started off as swami pouring milk on shirdi baba idol later transformed into that unforgettable vibhuti abhishekam it's so magical you just have to view it in the dvd for about 4 to 5 minutes you know uh, you can see kasturi or karunyananda holding the pot on top of the silver idol of shirdi baba and swami thrusts his hand inside and as he is twirling his hand vibhuti is pouring down copiously and swami pulls out his hand the vibhuti flow stops swami puts in the other hand again it begins it's so magical and the starting of such an abhishekam was in 1949 when swami would do milk abhishekam to the idol of shirdi baba after that swami would do the lingod bhavam sometime almost at midnight this would be when these lingams or representation of lord shiva or the infinite one would come from swami's stomach through his throat swami's temperature would often soar to as high as 104 or 105 degrees after which you know swami kept this lingam in 1949 on the shirdi baba idols and then did the abhishekam after that swami personally distributed the teertham the holy water and the milk as well as prasadam to all the devotees who had assembled there after which a procession began they say that you know the procession began at something like 2 o'clock in the morning <laughs> and concluded okay. in the early hours of the morning after which bhajans would begin non stop bhajans mm-hmm. for almost 12 hours sometimes 24 hours it was not fixed a thing those days so it was quite a quite a hectic schedule those days and filled with great joy because swami would be part and parcel physically of each and everything that happened right this was the 1949 shivratri and as we said meanwhile the construction was progressing construction was progressing and a couple of interesting things happened there you know now when we talk of swami's super specialty hospital being constructed and when you talk about the indoor stadium being constructed in record time a record not only for parthi it's a record for the construction company itself which That's is what, a glo- uh, right which is a global conglomerate That's what LNT Ramakrishna yeah, sir said. LNT Ramakrishna sir says, going back to the building of the Prashantinilam, but back in those days, it was not the case because you can imagine what Prashantin, what Puttaparthi was in 1940s, and to build a structure, I think that would have been the biggest structure for at least a, a radius of few, uh, I mean, 30-40 kilometers then. And what for another ten years after it was built, I think it would have remained as the biggest structure. Biggest structure, right? and you know understandably there were some paucity in the funds of making uh, to get that uh, building construction done and those devotees who were there in those initial days we spoke of how sakama gave the land and tirumal rao was another person who is you know actively coordinating the things not only they wanted to build a mandir for swami but they were actually trying to get the best and do the best hmm. possible we spoke of how the you know the wood came from somewhere and the frames came from somewhere and the roofing came from somewhere because 
thanks to them they had the vision that this is not going to be a building which is going to last for a few decades or not, or something like that you know even today we can walk into kulunthal and we can see what a strong structure that is and it is quite understandable that it took them so much time to build it in fact the kulwant hall that has been built much much later i think the whole thing was done in 1996 or 97 this was built in 1950 you know in the kulwant hall structure we have had a few problems of uh, water leakage right. and such things in the rains nothing of that sort in the bhajan hall mandir which was built in 1950 you know that that really explains of <laughs> the construction the construction quality. and you know what uh, effort they've taken to make it perfect their efforts were marvelous in many ways you know because as we said there was a paucity of funds the devotees began to write dramas and stories you know the it's almost like the devotee taking on what the lord used to do swami used to write the place so now they began to write plays and they used to enact the place and the ticket money collection for this place they would pool into and put it into the construction of the prashanthinilayam on one occasion they they say that you know they had gathered 1000 rupees which was a huge very sum. huge sum in those days so 1000 rupees had been gathered and this was the way they began to put in their might and you know they say that do your best god will do the rest swami too did help in ways that are beyond human comprehension at one point in time they were wondering how on earth will they be able to lift uh, get girders and other things to construct the mandir itself and uh, if we read satyam shivam sundaram we get to know how a crane that was actually traveling on the way it just gets stuck at the deviation junction towards puttaparthi mm-hmm. it's just stuck and it refuses to move and those people come to know that there's a baba living nearby who does miracles and when they come swami says yes but please get it over here he materializes vibhuti and gives it to them and says you put this on your engine it will start please we need these girders to be transported here so that's how the crane got the girders and deposited them the crane also had the power to go across the sandy bed of river chitravati which no other vehicle could have done and it transported the girders and left then the next problem came as to how on earth are we going to raise these girders and put it on the roof because they are so heavy the crane was the one that lifted them again swami smiled and this time the vibhuti was given to the workers and people working there swami himself went touching the girders and everybody chanting the name of sai ram they lifted and it was done through sheer manual labor human effort of these workers of course aided by divine will i'm sure swami must have been smiling throughout as this miracle happened in real time and the mandir was getting constructed and that's a pattern which you would see always you know swami could make a crane which is traveling so many miles away to stop and to be brought here you no know, couldn't he have done the whole work that the crane could do himself exactly but that's what swami does you know he doesn't complete our task he empowers us to complete our task mm. and he just gives us that ability and that's the beauty of living with swami and And that allows us also to enjoy right. the thrill. That, that's the thing, you know, to be a part of that mission. And all said and done, we have our little egos, and that feeling that I have also contributed and I have also done my bit. And I think that's what Swami is blessing us with. And as Arvind, you and myself sit here and think that even even we speak about Swami, and even we have <laughs> taken Swami's name to the people who like to listen to him, hmm. you know, as silly as we are. <laughs> really. on deeper introspection we realize that it is only an opportunity 
it's always an opportunity it is never that swami needs anybody swami needs nobody and everybody needs swami everybody loves swami everybody needs swami and everybody gets swami because swami has put the easiest rule if you can say so you know krishna said ananya chintayanto ma yejana paryupasate tesham nityabhyuktana one who thinks of me without any other thought i will give myself to them but swami has said if you need me you deserve you deserve me that's it so the only qualification we need to get swami is to just need him and dear swami on behalf of all our listeners on behalf of all of us i definitely would like to humbly submit at your lotus feet that we always need you and we shall forever need you because life finds meaning only with you dear listeners that brings us to the end of this session of afternoon satsang but we spoke about shivratri of 1949 we've spoken about festivals in the 40s sadly we cannot bring you images of those beautiful festivals but there are few festivals that swami has permitted us to capture and one such festival grand festival is the 1975 golden jubilee celebrations the 50th birthday celebrations and we are so happy that we are able to bring out a version of that festivity a week long festivity if i'm right arvind exactly right. and uh, a small clip of that was played in kulwant hall and worldwide via radio sai on swami's birthday 23rd november right and uh, that clip has been uploaded and i mean a lot of people we can see the views being generated and naturally so because so beautiful the beauty of this whole celebration this documentary is at the end of the documentary when you see how long it is it is 108 minutes long oh beautiful <laughs> such a beautiful number and that's almost 2 hours 2 hours of this divine bliss thank you jai sai ram you just heard an episode of a radio series afternoon satsang this is a discussion between radio sai's prem and arvind on different spiritual topics and the topic of today's episode was satyam shivam sundaram the life story of bhagwan sri satya sai baba this was first featured as part of radio sai's thursday live at 12:30 pm on november 28th 2013 we hope you enjoyed it Your comments and suggestions are very important to us. Please mail them to listener at radiosci.org. Next week, same day, same time, will be the continuation of today's episode. Stay tuned. Thank you and loving Sairam from Prashant Nilayam.